Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of the Revision Hub. Over the next few weeks we'll be releasing lots of new content for both the A-level physics and chemistry courses, including electric and magnetic fields, capacitors, an episode discussing benzene and phenol, and precipitate formation. We apologise for being away for a while, but we've been busy with mocks. As always, we appreciate your, your support, and we're now well on our way to 300 plays. In this episode, though, I'll be discussing gravitational fields, the different types, key definitions that you need to know, and the experiments that we use to come up with the understanding we have today. Let's start off with what we know from GCSE and previous A-level modules. In GCSE, we considered the effects of gravity a small distance from the Earth, and that meant we could consider it as a uniform field, where gravitational acceleration was 9.81 metres per second squared. In the particles topic, most likely what you were first taught when you started A-level physics, we learnt that gravity was one of the four fundamental forces, that it's the only purely attractive force of those four, with the others being strong nuclear, weak nuclear, and electromagnetic forces. The first thing to recognise is that there's two types of field, uniform and radial. In a uniform field, the field strength is the same throughout, and this is true over small distances. In a radial field, the strength decreases with distance, and this is the type used for large distances. Field lines are used to show the strength of a field. The denser slash closer together they are, the stronger the field. In a uniform field, they're all the same distance apart, hence why field strength is the same everywhere. In a radial field, field lines go out perpendicular to the surface of the object, so they get further apart the further from the surface you go. This is how we can show the field strength is decreasing with distance. The field strength is the force per unit mass and a small test mass placed in the field. A small test mass is one that's small enough that its own gravitational influence is negligible. The result of this is that it doesn't disrupt the field lines of the field being tested. For a radial field, Field strength is gm over r squared. Gravitational potential energy used to just be mgh. However, this is the equation when you consider uniform fields. With radial fields, gpe is minus gmm over r, where the masses are the mass of the main body and the mass being lifted respectively. Big G is the gravitational constant, and the value for this can be found on the front page of the data booklet. R is the distance between the centres of the main body and the object being lifted. This is something to note, because often you need to add the radiuses of the objects to the distance between their surfaces, which tends to be what you're given in exam questions, and that's an easy way to be caught out. You'll note that I included a negative in front of GMM over R, and this is because GPE is zero at infinite distance, so potential energy is derived as negative. This is something we'll come back to later, but if you think about it, this makes sense as decreasing the distance to the surface means GPE is lost. Something you considered at GCSE, but probably not in terms of having a negative at the start. At GCSE, you always refer to it as gravitational potential energy. But what actually is potential? It's the GPE per unit mass, i.e. V, the symbol we use for potential, is minus gm over r. Note that we've cancelled the mass of the object being lifted, not the main body. 
You aren't actually given the equation for GPE, but you're given the equation for potential. Just remember the definition of potential. You can just multiply by mass to get GPE. Thinking of with potential is equipotential lines. These are circular lines around a main body. For now, we'll consider the Earth with, you've guessed it, equal potential. These equipotential lines are perpendicular to field lines. The field strength is the same at all points on them. As the potential is the same, the GPE is the same, so no work is done when moving an object along equipotential lines. That's a common multiple choice question, so that's worth remembering. At the surface of the Earth, the potential is minus 62.8 megajoules per kilogram, and it's zero at infinity. Escape velocity is the instantaneous velocity required to remove an object from the gravitational field. In reality, that would just rip the object apart, even if you could provide that much velocity in a single moment, because the acceleration would be massive. That's why a rocket has multiple stages, so it can accelerate over a longer time to the required velocity. Linking this to another topic, force is the change in momentum over change in time, so increasing the time means that the maximum force is smaller. Although they're trained to be exposed to high Gs, there's still a limit to what astronauts can be exposed to. Getting back to escape velocity, the assumption is that all GPE is converted to kinetic energy, so therefore velocity. Rearranging mgh equals half mv squared gives v equals root 2 mgh over m, which is root 2 gh. For Earth, this gives an escape velocity of root 2 times 62.8 times 10 to the 6, which gives 11,207 meters per second. The next topic in this episode is Kepler's laws. There's three, so feel free to research those. However, the third is the most important. T squared is proportional to R cubed, which is the law of periods. Newton also has his own law of gravitation. The gravitational force is gmm over r squared, where g is the gravitational constant, the masses in the main and smaller body respectively, and r is the distance between the centres of these objects. This is an inverse square law. f is proportional to 1 over r squared. This means that halving the distance quadruples the force, and tripling the distance would decrease the force ninefold. Satellites are something you probably covered at GCSE, and there were two types of orbit, geostationary, aka geosynchronous, where the satellite moves at the same speed as the Earth rotates, so it remains above a fixed point on the surface on the equator. These are sometimes referred to as GEOs, geosynchronous Earth orbits, and one of the main uses is commercial communications. The other type is LEO, low Earth orbit, which you may have referred to as polar orbits previously. These have a period of 90 to 110 minutes, and one of their main uses is monitoring the weather. However, the military sometimes uses them for communication instead of GEOs. That brings this episode to a close. I'll be back next Thursday for another episode covering electric fields, or also be comparing gravitational and electric fields, sending you time in exams while allowing you to you to consider the key similarities and differences. After that will be magnetic fields, the third of our trio of fields episodes. Make sure to follow us on Instagram 
at the.revision.hub and follow us on your preferred podcast streaming service to be one of the first to hear new episodes. Thanks for listening. Bye.